going from 5 million to 10 million processes start to break. Now all of a sudden they don't have their own cash flow to keep funding it. So the PE firm just sitting there, yeah, I gotcha. And they, then they just kind of swoop you on a low multiple. Just, just the training manual and who's talking to, to who. So Shamrock has a hub and spoke model. You know, one's on job Nimbus, you know, who's then mm. laying off all those people. The CFO or their accounting teams trying to figure out pulling these together. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. Today, I have Garen Armstrong from Shamrock Roofing and Construction with me. How you doing, man? Doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Great Absolutely. to be here. Dude, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this is right after Thanksgiving, so I'm sure there's lots of fun shopping for you to do or whatever is going on in your world. Um, we're talking about painful lessons when you outgrow C-suite vendors, software. We're also going to talk a little bit about your story. So let's just start with your story, and then we'll get into the lessons. Well, the first story is... Uh starting the business and then uh, two years into it, have a heart failure and have to live on a heart pump for three years, waiting on a, a heart. Then just got a heart transplant a year and a half ago and then the valve was bad. So then four weeks ago, I just had a valve replaced. So, so here you I am. To, you had to like kind of put in structures and stuff like that in your business to take care of stuff while you're out, which is terrifying. It, it, it forced me to do so many things from putting from the secession planning, uh, helped build the business, you know, like from inside out, like who's going to run it now, now that I'm gone. Like, so creating the processes in place, the training manuals in place, who's doing what, how it's going to happen, you know, all of those in place as, as this is the company is growing and going over the years. And then with each milestone, you know, whether it's, you know, going from 5 million to 10 million, processes start to break down you know mm -hmm. so that's kind of where we can yeah i love, I love starting there with the, the heart transplant though because everybody has this moment where they have to be away from their business for a period of time whether it's a week and you're trying to go on vacation or whether it's months and you have to get a heart transplant <laughs> like how do you deal with the when especially if you're like a aggressive and i'm a micromanager Right. In certain right. ways, like I care a lot about my business. So how did you kind of go through, did this happen abruptly? It happened, it happened in 45 days. I was working a hotel fire claim and by breathing in the char, um, it made my, it got a virus and went to my heart, made my heart go bad in 45 days. Mm. And so, you know, how, you know, how it happened, how it happened to grow your team, what happens is, you know, when, when the leader, the absence of a leader, a lot of the people, they don't, don't, don't know what's going on. So, so they left, they left me, a lot, you know, some people stayed and the people that stayed and stepped up, those were, those were when I found my true leaders within the organization and, and they stepped up and they pretty much locked arms. And the first time going through that process, it was scary for them. And, you know, not going to lie, is Garen going to make it? What's going to happen? You know, so, but, but I, I was able to be there to answer their questions, you know, I was like frequently asked questions and able mm -hmm. to sign the checks, keep it all going. Um, so, so were you in the hospital signing checks and like responding to stuff and such? Yes. Had my laptop on there, still able to, to, to work from there. So <laughs> the beast. Uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, I still have my general manager in place, my production manager in place, my, my office gal, my AR, AP, you know, so, you know, it, it was those four, they, they, they all stepped up and it was uh, miraculous really to watch them all step up. And then the, the personal growth that had to happen with, with them individually, with me too, mm-hmm. to be able to grow from that level to the next level. I mean, you know, initially my ARAP lady was was a data entry person, you know, and and now mm-hmm. she's stepping up and working more with you know my CPA at the time, going over you know what everything, whereas mm. you just me going in there. Yeah, no, those are some of the hardest things to pass off because you got to trust people to such a degree with the money stuff and. Everyone hears a horror story of somebody like taking some money and doing weird stuff and they didn't know about it for like 10 years. And it's like, damn, dude. Yeah. You got to yeah. watch your back a little bit when there's Absolutely. big flows of money. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you talked, so that would be essentially one lesson, I guess. It was starting with the most important lesson. I'm, I'm guessing that's been one of the most impactful lessons for you this past uh, it, it, couple years. It has been, um, well, knowing who your te- teams are and, you know, hiring the right people, but mm-hmm. even then hiring the right people in, in a traumatic situation like that, you don't know who the right, the right people are. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it made sense for those people that left, you know, they didn't have, they didn't have the, the leader anymore, you know, but as soon as I got out of the hospital, I was living on this uh, pump, heart pump, and I was super skinny. Um, I still I showed up to work. I got out in the field. I would even I would even go out run run leads with people or go 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 knock doors you know while they're running leads just so they can see that hey if Garen can do it and he's in this bad of a shape I can do it mm. and so it created a leadership uh, you know where I'm leading from the front you know the, the general manager is still hanging back but you know and I wouldn't be out there every day because of my health but I, I would be out there with them so knowing and showing that I. I, that I would, and I am out there. I wouldn't ask anyone to do that. Something that I wouldn't do. It's a good mindset. All right, so let's talk about. You talked about cash to accrual, and why you switched from cash to accrual accounting. That's that. Like I was just on this tour where like two of the main people on it were kind of going back and forth about which was the best. So why are you on the accrual side of this? Well, once you hit twenty five million, the IRS says. You're going to accrual. You don't have okay. an option. Yeah. So, so whoever was saying this is cash is the best, then he hasn't made it to 25 million yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so, either of them did, but respect okay. on them, anyways. So, so he, so you know, at, at your cash year, you know, you're 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 planning everything for your for for tax, and and you're doing a lot of at the end of the year, you're buying your year down. You're buying all your investments for the beginning of next year. So, mm. if, if you can, you know preload up on say education material, you know, uh, classes, sh- uh, shows, whatever you're trying to go do, you know, load up, prepay a lot of your marketing, right? So you're mm-hmm. buying your year down. So you're, you're, you're not paying as much taxes yeah. that way you're investing for your future year. Yeah. Um, with accrual, you're, you're recording everything now, right? Everything up now. And it's, you're, you're, you're not right. You know, you're not growing that way. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's a bit of it's a bit of a difference. Um, so do you think that's the only time? 
that? Like, would you suggest doing it any sooner for somebody that's like on the come up and they're like passing 10 or something like that? No, I would stay, yeah. stay at cash as long yeah. as you possibly can. Um, for sure. Okay. I like it. All right. Breaking processes and procedures. You said that that was a lesson. Um, how did, as, as you grew, maybe the last couple of years, what was a moment that you really broke a process or procedure and had to replace it? Just, just the training manual and who's talking to, to who. So Shamrock has a hub and spoke model to where, you know, our headquarters is in Kansas City. And then we have offices in Omaha, Lincoln, uh, Des Moines, Sioux Falls, St. Louis, uh, uh, Bentonville, uh, Tulsa, and, and Texarkana. So all all around. And and the reason you know we we did that was from cash flow. First off, northern states pay better, right? So you run your exact match, you know what's going on. Northern states pay better, right? And that's great. But you have less days to roof because of the weather. So mm-hmm. then it creates a seasonality dip that's even harder on your on your finances. So that's why we went and started going more south, more southern. You you got more days to roof, and you have and and that kind of calms down your seasonality effect. You, they pay less down south, you know, but um, your margin. But um, it, it, it it flattens the seasonality of your. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one of the biggest things I hear from people that are that like the in different markets and kind of just right. kind of makes everything feel cleaner. Because otherwise, business is not that fun. In my opinion, business is not that fun. Where it's like, wow, wow, that's tiring. Right. You know, and as you, but to go back to answer that question and how that broke a process in your in your training manual when we bring people on, we're training everybody. Hey, hey, your contact person is this person. Your contact person is this person. This is our flow. Well, as soon as you start bringing on more markets, that that point of contact is now longer that point of contact because that point of contact is now managing these three markets where you have this other point of contact managing these other three markets. And, you know, that flow comes in. And now mm-hmm. it's no longer have, you know, one accounts receivable lady. You have three accounts receivables, you know, to, to manage the inflow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one process yeah. that broke. The same applies with with uh, production and uh, the ability to even procure material with with, with that many locations. Uh, I remember working El Dorincho and in in Des Moines and Cedar Rapids when that straight line wind tore everything up. People couldn't get material. Uh, that was around uh, twenty twenty in the twenty twenty or mm-hmm. twenty twenty. One, I can't. Um, so uh, what we started doing was then, then, was, then was what happened is every time a storm would go by one of our cities, we're, we're able to gauge, hey, there's 50,000 people damaged on 50,000 homes damaged. We're going to need about 25 or, you know, 30 semi loads. So we buy, started buying semi loads of, of material at the time just so that we already had it in place so that when we're out selling roofs, We've got material to mm. put on the roofs because there is that time that they couldn't even get material. Did you, you have to overspend for that? Like, did you have to like way out, like outspend what it would have normally cost for some of those materials? Hey, what's up? Dave here from Dope Marketing. 
And what I want to do is show you an example of how to use our new neighborhood blitz filter tool. Let's say you have a specific area in town that you want to get more work in. You can drop a pin in that neighborhood and only target the closest homes that match the square footage of the home, the year the home was built, and how much the home is worth. No matter what customer you want to target, we can get you in front of them with our new neighborhood blitz filter tool. Connect with our team today and make your next marketing campaign dope. To buy them in a bulk like that, I'm actually getting a better deal. Okay. But then I'm buying freight liners. Mm -hmm. I'm buying, you know, I got hiring people with CDLs to, to drive it, drop mm -hmm. it. So there's that cost, but it, it equals the same. Okay. So everyone who wants to go two-step, so they call it, is, I'm going to go two-step. You know, that, that supplier's making too much money on me. It, it, really, they're not. I mean, there is... It's it, it, if in a perfect world I can continue just to have the supplier to deliver, um, that would be fine. But mm -hmm. with the suppliers being on allocation because of um, the the material, you know, the manufacturers, you know, that had to shut down or recalibrate or whatever the case may be. Um, at, at least we have that supply, that inventory now to be able to to, to continue to roof. Talk to me about outgrowing your bank. So that's a thing I didn't even know could happen, right? <laughs> I didn't either. So, uh, yeah, so when you're running that much money through a bank and, um, you know, they're, they're not prepared for it and you're growing that fast, they, they start to get worried. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? And so you definitely have to have a bank that has a bigger, bigger reach. You know, the, the small hometown bank that help, that's always been with you throughout the years isn't going to help you. You need to be able to bigger, bigger regional bank. Um, you know, my wealth advisors, everybody told me like, Garen, it's just like catching a big old catfish out of the, out, out of the river out of here and go th throwing it in the pond in, in, in your backyard. You know, how long do you think that big old catfish is going to, going to survive is not. And so, Hey, where do you, where do you live? That that's the, the normal uh, analogy. Where are you? Okay. Kansas city. Oh, is that so? Catfish fishing is a big, big thing in Kansas City, or what? Oh yeah, in the river, yeah, in the Missouri River, there's some huge catfish. So it's a huge catfish. I remember fishing catfish when I was younger. It was very fun as uh, Minnesota, but yeah, we didn't do it that often. But they're weird, dude. Catfish are weird. <laughs> they are. They are for sure. Okay, so we talked about outgrowing your bank. That's good to know. It's good to know for people. But either way, like. I think some people, when they're just starting out, I like to kind of nod to you guys too, because some of you guys are going to get big. So I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. No, but uh, also just have a relationship with your bank. Have a real relationship. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you don't, and then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until it does. Have yeah, a relationship. 100%. And that was what was such beautiful with me and the banker was he was able to facilitate here, you know, here, here's our updated financials. Here's our audited financials, you know, whatever. So anytime I needed it, it was okay. Here's an increase. Okay. Here's an increase. Okay. And so he was able to do that to a point where, you know, the board of the bank is like, Hey, uh, what's going on? Like we got to kind of be careful. Yeah. And so, um, they're a great bank. They're, they're, we're still friends with the firm. Yeah. And so, um, and I have other accounts with them, but, um, for growing and, and acquiring other businesses, things like that, I just had to move to a, a bigger, bigger bank. 
So outgrowing C-suites or leaders in your organization, how do you know when it's time to move on? And what made it apparent to you that you needed to kind of make changes in those areas? So one, one you, you have like a CPA, for example, um, mm-hmm. you know, they do great for small, medium-sized companies, right? Well, let's say not medium, medium to large small size companies, you know, just big enough. They're not following TurboTax themselves. They come in, they're doing all their stuff. There you go. Here you are. But when you come in and you, you're running, you know, millions of dollars a month through, through there and you and your Amex cards and your Amex receipts and you're tracking all your managers, everything, um, you start seeing, seeing, seeing some mistakes come through. And it's just a sheer volume of that CPA firm or that firm didn't have enough people mm-hmm. to be able to, they caught me sleeping, right? Like they, they, or I caught them sleeping. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were on their heels taking care of their other clients, obviously. And here I am growing, growing, growing. And it's like, wow. And so then at that point, you know, we, we step up to, uh, you know, the major, the yeah. gate. The big eight, you know, what about, what about, uh, what about like leaders in the company? I'm guessing you've had to make some, you know, you've had to fire people here and there, things like that. What if I yeah. always ask this about when people are on, cause it's like the, the shittiest part of running a business and people don't talk about it on podcasts very often. So how do you know when it's time to fire somebody? I literally ask this question all the time. How do you know when it's time to fire somebody? And you know, how do you do that? Right. The firing people is the, the hardest thing to do, Sucks. especially when they've been with you as long as they can, how long as they've been. And so what I've done is is I've been able to work around some people. So let's say for that, that first person who's that ARAP person, right? She was a data entry, but she, she learned all these positions. I mean, she she, 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 she self-taught her. But what I did was then, then I'm bringing in a CFO then I'm bringing in a controller, you know, so, so that you, know, you let my, them stay. You don't have right. to like keep promoting them, but you can bring somebody up like correct. Of them. Yeah. correct. And so now my C my my controller's vision is to be a CFO, but I, I've got a CFO who's just mm-hmm. top notch, very expensive, um, and very good. But in the meantime, this controller is able to teach this 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 ARAP person. Who now I have three of those people mm-hmm. working with the controller, but um, so that's how I knew some, con- some, but some controllers just because they say they're a controller or they say they're a CFO doesn't mean they're a CFO. Yeah. I've had um, in this chief of staff model where you 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 would uh, like have a fractional um, mm-hmm. piece. That would say they, they they would come in and, yeah. and, and and manage oversee other like CFOs and and then he and he they're slipping you know so it's it's when you're running as big and as fast as you are you know we, we grew ninety eight percent two years in a row what are you what are you guys at now revenue wise what will you hit in twenty twenty two twenty twenty two we're going to hit close to forty million nice very cool yeah. Um, so outgrowing CPAs, let's go back to that. Who did you choose? Can you share like the firm or whatever that you use? Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, you see this, they're, they're, they're a national firm. You'll see them a lot. So what I have was I had, you know, a lot of, a lot of different things. So, you know, 
from um, cost segregations on my buildings I own. I'll, I'll use them for valuations. I'll use them. But for um, an actual my CPA, I use Mize. Um, and that's because, you know, that he's, 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 he's an attorney. He's a JD. So he can also manage it. I get more full-on attention mm-hmm. first, even with a bigger firm, right? Like, so even if you're yeah. with the, the CBiz and I have, and I got multiple people I use for CBiz for multiple projects. Yeah. You still use them, but then you got your different your, your tools, right? You get your blunt mm-hmm. tools like that like they are, and then you got your you know your, your mm-hmm. scalpel, which is like tax what, planning or different things like that. So, yeah. Yes, important. And, and it becomes very important when you're at this size because you know these you know these corporations are finding right. Like, what can I legally do to decrease my taxable liability and all that? So, and and especially when it's, it comes to taxes and estate planning and. They're changing, you know, the government's changing the gift tax, how much gift tax you can give. Mm-hmm. Well, if the business was in my mom and dad's name, my dad passed away. My mom wants to tra- give me anything in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, right now it's at 12 and a half million. They're going to be lowering that to 5 million. Mm-hmm. So, how, so that makes a major issue situation how they can give me whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're still going to have a huge taxable consequence. Mm-hmm. So when you're planning that, aspect of things mm-hmm. there's a lot to think about with that before no, you even, yeah okay so let's talk about outgrowing acculinks um i think this is a very interesting topic a lot of people are back and forth between the couple major crms in the roofing business acculinks being the biggest one but having a lot of um limitations because it's a closed environment what what brought you finally to um, start building your own CRM, basically? So, you know, Acculinks has been so shut off. I've been with Acculinks for, you know, over five years. And, you know, I've, and I've been with them and I've watched them grow. I've watched them add on more features. You know, they've been so shut off with the world with their APIs and everything. You know, I'll ask them, hey, you know, can you get an API open up to, for Hail Trace? You know, I'm working with Derek trying to get them to open yeah. that up. It won't even do that. I think so. You know, five years later, they finally got hooked up with, with Zapier. But beside the point, when it comes down to, you know, trying to find business in the winter, when when the storm's over, when there's no fresh damage to work, we'll go back to Hill Trace. We'll track down a swath that, you know, most contractors haven't had the opportunity to go out and, and address yet because they're so busy chasing the big storm. You know, as long as we've got a date within reason, we can chase that storm. We can pick up jobs. We can pick up leads. You know, when you when you have, you know, 40 million and you're, and you're growing and you have multiple locations and say you're starting to acquire and bring in locate uh, other organizations and you're trying to keep it all organized, you know, it, it, it starts breaking down. There starts being a lot of restrictions on it. The, the reporting is isn't there. Um, so that's when last year, you know, we started building it a year ago, already put a million into it. Um, we got about three, four more months and it's ready to go. And I built it just for the use for, for us. And it's more of a ERP CRM system that can manage the, 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 the business, but it can also help manage from an executive dashboard. It mm-hmm. pulls in the reporting so I can see all the reporting channels that are coming in, mm-hmm. what, what, what the Google's doing, what the LSA is doing, what, what other channels that, that I'm doing is pulling in so that I can see what you know our ROI is doing on those investment dollars, which mm-hmm. is also synced with QuickBooks, which is also synced with production 
and procurement so that when, when we know that the city got hit with 50,000 damaged homes and we're procuring, you know, 25 semis that, you know, it, it's pulling that information all, all yep. into one. And, and that's something that-, that make better decisions. Yeah, yes. And so, you know, I have several AI kids that I got working on this mm. that are brilliant. And they're from, from, from financial modeling when they're creating, they're creating these models mm. um, around the models. Cause you know, most even top not see it, you know, it's, it's their, their financial models in Excel spreadsheets. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, now let's start pulling these models and spread them out digitally based off percentages, based off closing ratios, based off all this data that we're collecting in, in one central, you know, database. That's beautiful, so, man. That's, that sounds pretty cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. So you want to be one of those big guys if it all consolidates in the next 10 years. So, you know, that's kind of where it's going. I talk to three PE firms a week, it seems like. Yeah. And that's one of their major concerns, these these private equity firms is, you know, when they're hiring or, you know, buying companies, you know, one's on Job Nimbus, you know, who's mm. we'll talk about them laying off all those people later. Yeah. We get ones on Acculinks, you know, and then they're trying to figure out, you know, the, 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 the CFO or their accounting teams trying to figure out pulling these together. How does this look? How does this work? You know, it, it, it makes it really difficult mm -hmm. for you know, uh, a private equity firm or just, or just a bigger roofing company that's expanding and growing. And, and part, of, part of what, they're, what they want to do is they want to have one pooled resource for every single thing. And if right. it's going to be really hard to do that, I think mm -hmm. about change management, you know, because there's some brilliant people. You seem brilliant. There's brilliant consultants that are helping roofing companies. And I think about that. If you do make a giant change, though, it's so much work to get that. And I, I even experienced this as a leader with a 22-person team. Is like it's so much to build down into your people and get buy-in. So you can't do like five of these big shifts a year. You get like two. You get like a couple pivots a year. And if you don't, if you if you do more than that, you're gonna lose. You're going to lose people. It's like, if you, you know, you're all, you're marching straight and all of a sudden you, you take a hard left turn. Everybody else is still marching straight. You mm -hmm. know, you, you, you see that with a lot of these uh, acquisitions that are going on and all the changes that are happening. It's like, oh, we just got acquired and now we're moving systems and now we're doing this. Totally I don't know. Fail too. I'm just trying to put a job in and I'm just trying to get paid, you know, and, and, and so I completely understand and feel for uh, these project managers that are working for these firms that are just, you know, not getting... all of these, um, these big roll-ups are big, like groups of roofing. They're not all going to win. That's another thing. Like just because there's giant flows of money does right. not mean that they're all going to be super successful. I mean, there is going to be some broken stuff and big private equity firms and stuff like that. Like they don't care that much. If like, you're, One of the yeah. acquisitions goes bad and they lose all their shit. Well, well, so that's, yeah, again, I'm on the phone with them. I'm sitting in front of them and it seems like they got more money than brains because I'm interviewing them too. I'm asking them like questions. I'm like, yeah. how are you even qualified? Like just because you can make a beautiful, you know, financial spreadsheet, you know, and then, so you feel like, okay, you, you, you made some bad decisions in the past. So what you want to, you know, I'm cash flowing, debt free. You want to come acquire me so you can throw all that debt on me, you know? So I'm. They're levered, they're levered to the hilt, too, bro. Like, like this is. And rates are rising. 
we're talking about they don't always have all the money that they're wielding. You know what I mean? Like right. they've got some of it. They've got some skin in the game, but a lot of it is other people's money, which is fun. Yeah. It's fun. The majority of what I'm hearing, see out there is, you know, 40% their own money, 40% debt. Uh, and then, then 20% they're wanting the, the, roll out they're wanting the yep. new the, the, the new the owner to put in to put the other money in yeah so so they're really only putting 40 40 percent of their money in and and then the interest rates are, are going up at you know so let's see how that happens mm -hmm. i've been following a lot of uh data private equity data there's pitch book is is one that's put out there they have a lot of data on it mm. and uh they're just talking about not not necessarily even uh private equity firms that are rolling up, right? Like how the concern that they should have with their, their debt that they have, but just medium sized companies that are levered and have a lot of debt yeah. should, you know, they're talking about, about them as well. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Debt is a beautiful, wonderful tool. Yeah. For a big company sometimes. And then just sometimes it can go bad. Like you have to have obviously just really healthy systems and processes in place and it's just scary because some people end up having, you know, going bad. But it's not usually, I feel like that's usually like the $10 million company. Like once you get past a certain point, usually the usually you have leadership in place that's not going to let stuff like that happen. I've even seen bigger companies that, that than that fall. And, and because what happens is somebody doesn't pay them. They do a big commercial job, mm. job doesn't pay them. Or you're working for a property management company and it's their, their terms are they will pay you in 90 days and you'll you'll cross out you're like no i'm not a bank i will pay in 30 days doesn't matter they're going to pay you in 90 days <laughs> and so you know you're getting paid in 90 days but you know say the bigger firm that they do a, a, a million dollar job and then they don't get paid on their million dollars you know then 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 that's then that could be a big hit and that could take a 10 million dollar company out quick style Mm. Or what happens, then they go get money from a uh, mezzanine-type lender at high interest rates. What's mezzanine? And Sorry. So it's like an intermediate money gotcha. lending. So it's easy. Um, it's easier. So it's not to get. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's not like hard money, from, a, and it's not bankable money. It's in, in Not quite mafia. Right. <laughs> but it's high interest. And yeah. what happens is, uh, you know, you, it's, like, it's, it's a kiss of death, but it's a death of a thousand cuts because it's slow. Yeah. Because you're, you're completely all your money is you're you're paying you're paying interest you're paying the interest so um, so finally you know you're paying the interest all this time and then and then you get another job that they don't pay you and then now all of a sudden you can't pay the interest yeah and then you know so yeah you know that's what happens a lot and then I see a lot of companies that are you know you see getting acquired it's like they made it to forty million or, or fifty and. Now all of a sudden they don't have their own cash flow flow to keep funding it. So the PE firm just sitting there like, you know, okay, yeah, I gotcha. And they then they just kind of swoop you up on on, on a low multiple because you mm. ran out of cash flow or you don't have capital partners in place to be able to continue to fund you. Wow. Well, you've really made this a very value I think this was very valuable for somebody who's watching this if they were thinking about it and a lot of roofing companies are thinking about what it might look like to get acquired right now. So I, I appreciate you being generous with what you've learned. I know that a longer conversation would yield even more inf interesting information, but I do want to give you a chance to uh, talk a little bit about what you're passionate about in your business. 
I know you talked about some charitable stuff that you guys are doing. So wh why do you do that? And what do you do? And um, yeah. You know, so uh, philanthropy in, in, in business is, is always has always been important to me. But philanthropy just in general has been important to me. I always, it, it feels good to give. And so I started with this car, Cars for Heroes about 20 years ago. And we're up to giving 35, uh, 365 cars away a year to, to veterans, first responders, you know, nurses, teachers, and anybody in need. And so then we have a Cars for Christmas coming up where we'll be giving cars away to the, the mom who can't get her kid back and forth to her chemo treatments. And it's just, every time you do this, I mean, you don't leave with a dry eye, you know, and the goosebumps that you get by being able to help help these people. And so it started with the Cars for Heroes program. And from, from that, um, we started doing the Roof for Heroes where we give a roof every quarter away to a veteran or, or first responder. So um, that's how that started. And then with the heart situation, you know, and that just, you know, all happenstance, um, I is nominated to to um, be be this, the presenter, the speaker at the Heart Ball, and where it's, they have a passion story. So they have a, a video of me during this time where there's a, a thousand people. It's a black tie event, you know, and uh, while they're eating, you know, the lights dim, and then you know comes up on the big screen this the story that happened and. Um, going over my story and, and uh, then at that point as, as, as the lights, you know, come fade and come back on, I'm able to come out on stage and, and speak for 10 minutes to talk to them and tell them a little bit about my story and, and, and thank them and, and the research that the American Heart Association has done, you know, and what they fund. It's not, it's not as instant gratification like you see when you give somebody a car and they start crying and everything. Yeah. You don't see that money when you give raising money for the American Heart Association, but with the amount of money that it is and the amount of volume of that money, it, it can do so much work. Mm. I mean, we're making 3D hearts for little babies, right? Before, yeah. So that the surgeons can can practice on that heart before it it even kind yeah. of comes comes out. So when the baby's out, they're ready. They practice. They're ready to go. You know, another example is. You know, I'd always have to go and get my, my juggler. They'd go do these right, right heart biopsies and mm. pressures. In my heart. Well, you know, now they're able to do that with just a blood draw just in, in the last several years that I've been I've been doing doing this. Mm. And so it's it, they, they, do, they raise a lot of money for a lot of good. Um, and so that's that's how I got involved with that. It's awesome. And asked me to be the chairman uh, for the centennial next year at the American Heart Association. So that's the top of the, the, the pyramid, really, you know, like fulfillment and meaning. If you're able to get some of your other stuff taken care of, and you feel like you got enough money and you're in the right direction, then you can go to these other things that are right. like, this is, this makes me feel good. And like, there's yes. a point to all this hard stuff in business. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at this crossroads in life, you know, I'm, I've just, you know, four weeks ago I had this heart opened up and, you know, and I've got some, a lot of people I, I talk to and trust in the industry, you know, that, that are awesome studs, you know, Graham Desert is one of them and Jim Johnson is another one I talked to and, 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 and Reggie Brock and, and just, you know, you know, praying, it's like, I've got this competition in me, I'm so close, you know, what is it going to be the top 50 roofing companies, is that, is that your goal, Garen? I mean, you know, I'm not bought out by a PE. I self-fund this thing. You know, it can stay a family firm if I want, right? But then it's like, 
how how much longer do you want to continue that 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 race that push that you know mm-hmm. and and uh so it's about that and or you know the philanthropy stuff the philanthropy stuff really gets my juices flowing and that's what i like to do mm-hmm. um so it's kind of um a point where you know i am bringing a lot more c-suite in training grooming growing mm-hmm. where we're, we're at um to where you know i'm looking for you know a new ceo even to bring mm-hmm. in and, and groom so that you know i can still just be involved because i love it shamrock nation is my family and and you know they before i went into surgery it's like uh, we have big office back meetings once you know, every monday just to um KPIs that keep people informed. So it's not to know that I know what they're doing, it's that they all know what they're doing. Mm. And um, you know, it, it was great. They they had a big prayer prayer for me before I went. So you know, just having that type of environment culture um, is, is is really something special. Mm. So. I dig it, man. Well, I really appreciate you spending the time. Um, thank you for being generous. There's a lot of really good information on this one. I hope people will go back and listen through it again if they need it. Um, and, uh, where can people find you online? You can find me at shamrockroofer.com. Uh, you can find me at garenarmstrong.com. And, uh, if you want to email me or reach out to me or, uh, just email me at garen at shamrockroofer.com. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure being on with the, the king of memes. Yes, yeah, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it, bro. I got a new brand <laughs> this last year. Um, but uh, yeah, the podcast is put on by hookagency.com. Hook agency all over social. Like this video, comment, subscribe, etc. Appreciate everyone. All right, bye. Um, bye.